place called Cheat Codes, and what we're talking about is that um, you ever met somebody in life, you're in kind of the same life stage, you're going through the same stuff, maybe you, you make the same amount of money, you're kind of, you're kind of the same, and yet they're, they're kind of doing it better than you, and you're wondering, what, what in the world is going on? There's a really good chance that they have applied one of these cheat codes that's in the Bible. A cheat code is basically, for any of you who are gamers or played video games uh, growing up, uh, I played video games, I had a paper route, and I would take all my tip money, and um, I would go to the arcade. They had, see kids, they used to have this thing called an arcade, no. Um, and I would play a Dig Dug, Galaga, um, I'd play Asteroids before. I didn't like Asteroids Deluxe that much. Anyway, my goal was to always get the high score. So if you go to Steelcraft in Garden Grove, you will find a Galaga machine there. And uh, there is a high score that says PJ, which stands for Pastor John. And yes, it's me. So go ahead and beat me. Send me a text and uh, you won't, but good luck. And, uh, and so that's a cheat code. I know the secrets of that game. And some people know the secrets of life. They get through the pandemic better. They get through their finances better. They get through tragedy better. All these different things. Well, we've been talking about the fact that the Bible gives us these special cheat codes. We talked about forgiveness. You ever see two people who've gone through the exact same thing, and yet one seems to handle it better than the other? They've probably found the cheat code of forgiveness. And so we'll be talking about that over the next few weeks. We'll be talking about gratitude. In two weeks, I really want you to be here and invite somebody. Uh, we're going to transform the stage, and I'm super excited about it. So be here in two weeks. Um, I mean, be here next week too, but uh, in two weeks, I'm, I'm kind of giddy about that one. So uh, here, here's the thing about Christianity, and if, if, if you're a Christian, I'm super sorry. I'm going to come down on you just a tad. Uh, if you're not a Christian and you're here at church or you're watching online, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, I'll probably tell you some things that you saw for yourself. And here, here, here's the thing about Christianity. We have this thing about asking for forgiveness, and it's beautiful. You can go to Jesus and with whatever your past is and ask him for forgiveness and you will be forgiven. As a matter of fact, this, this, the gospel is about the fact that we recognize that we are sinful creatures, that we are sinful people, and that Jesus paid for us on the cross, died for our sins, so that we can then walk, the Bible says, in newness of life. And so... We have this idea that you can just ask for forgiveness. And, and, and we kind of poo-poo the Catholics, right? Because the Catholics, if you're Catholic and if you're Catholic here, you might have heard some Christians going, well, we don't need to go to a priest. We can just go right to Jesus, you know. And you're supposed to be upset about that. And we're on the higher ground. Because you have to go to a priest and we get to go to Jesus. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the cheat code of confession. And what I want to specifically talk about is that oftentimes, just telling Jesus isn't enough. Just telling Jesus isn't enough. Now, um, James chapter 1, we'll be looking a little bit more in James. 
this morning will kind of be all over the map. We're going to be looking at some Old Testament things, some New Testament things, just kind of putting everything together. Uh, James says it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And Christians are really good at this. I know this because I'm a Christian and I'm really good at this. I will listen to someone talk. I will listen to a sermon. I'll listen to, I'll go to a Bible study and I'll listen to the word and I'll feel bad about myself and I'll leave and I'll go, ah. Oh. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll, we'll find a church that's really good at this, like just going after you every, and you, you just know Sunday morning, it's my weekly beating. I'm just gonna go get beat up, oh, I know, I know, I, it's terrible, I'm a horrible person, and then we go, go on. He says, don't merely listen to it. Don't merely just hear the word and go, oh, you're right, and oh, I got to work on that, and oh, man, that was directly, directly towards me. The Bible says, don't do that. You're deceiving yourself. And you say, well, John, should I not listen to the word? Should I? No, James clarifies it. Do what it says. Do what it says. The Bible is here in order to lay out a life for which you were designed to live in. We talk about it being sinless or, uh, you know, uh, we, we want to make sure that we don't have uh, sin in our lives. And, and so, and we pick our sins that we are really, really bad and the sins that aren't so bad. And, and we put it all under the umbrella of confession and repentance. But the goal of the scriptures, the goal of your relationship with Jesus is to walk with him in such a way that you are free from the law of sin and death. That when you merely listen to the word or you listen to the word, you go, that was me. But now I have learned the cheat code of confession, how that all works. And so uh, we've, we've heard things in the Bible, um, uh, and this is, this is kind of some theology that floats around, that if you confess your sin, he forgets, he forgets your sin. That God, think about the theology of this, that God forgets your sin. God. Like you tricked him. You, you got it. You were able to sin. You, you got your bucket during the week. Sins go in the bucket. And then you go before God and you take your bucket. And, oh, man, look at all that. Oh, would you just forgive me, please? And he says, yes. And he takes it all out of your bucket. And then you go back on Monday to fill the bucket up again. Like a sin management system that we have. Very elaborate. And so that God would forget it. But here's the problem. God wrote a bunch of people's sins down in the Bible. Remember David? David and Bathsheba, like a big sin in the Bible. Do you think that when God sees that in the Bible, or if I preach on David and Bathsheba, he's like, what? He asked for forgiveness about that. I don't, I don't remember anything. He doesn't. Where we get this from is Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And so we take that theology and we go, yeah, he just forgets them. He doesn't forget them. This is, if you read Isaiah, it's bathed in sarcasm. And he's going, basically what he's saying is, you want to keep 
you, like you think I just forget everything and you just want to keep living the way you're living, go ahead and see how that works out for you, is essentially uh, the scriptures. What I want to propose to you this morning, that the best confession, the confession that's in the scriptures, the confession that will actually change your life is when you confess to another human, not just Jesus. Now, if you've worked it all out and you're like, man, I confess to Jesus all the time and I'm actually getting better in my whole life and I'm not going back to the same sins I've always gone to. Congratulations. You somehow figured it out. But it's not biblical confession. Biblical confession happens in community. And if you think about it, this is true in any play, every area of your life that you want life change. Right? I mean, you can sign up for a gym membership. And James would write to you, do not merely sign up for a gym membership. Go to the gym, <laughs> right? Do not merely watch a blog with a nutritionist. Eat healthier, right? And any area of your life, even in the areas you're good at, one of the things I like to say all the time about people who go to therapy or they go someplace and they feel bad about it. I shouldn't have to go to therapy. I shouldn't have to do this. Or I shouldn't have to do that. I always tell them the same thing. Tom Brady has a quarterback coach. Like Tom Brady. Like Of all the people who shouldn't need a quarterback coach, Tom Brady should be it. But the way we are designed is that as human beings, we are in fellowship with one another, and we notice things. And so Tom Brady's quarterback coach would say to him, hey, you're not opening up your hips enough. When you follow through, you're not following through completely. It looked like you were X. It looked like you were Y. Why? Because he wants to be the best quarterback he can be. In the same way, God wants you to be the best version of you that you can be. And that's not all ponies and skittles and rainbows. It has to do with application. And application has to do with community. And community has to do with confession. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament. If you look in uh, Numbers uh, chapter 5, the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, okay, any man or woman who wrongs another, in any way, you lie, you steal, you cheat, you do whatever, any, anything like that. And so, listen, this is very fascinating. And so is unfaithful to the Lord. In other words, what he's doing is he's tying your relationship with the Lord into community. Is he not doing that? It's pretty obvious. What he's saying is, when you mistreat somebody else, you're actually sinning against the Lord. And you go, oh, okay, well, then I'll just confess my sins and he'll be faithful and righteous to forgive me my sin. It's in John. It actually is in John, 1 John. And we'll see it in just a little bit. Any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty, listen, and must confess the sin they've committed. Well, that's great. Every night. I go before God, and if I'm super spiritual, I get on my knees, and I get on my bed, and I go, oh, God, 
I stole from my employer. Uh, you know, those pens, those were my favorite pens, and so I took them, or whatever it is. I didn't have legal paper at home. I mean, who has legal paper at home? And I just needed a little stack. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, just anything. I picked small things, so you wouldn't get off the hook. Okay. And so you go, okay, okay, God, God, I, I stole the pens, I stole the paper, whatever. I, I, I cheated, I, I lied to this client because I really wanted the business because I wanted the Christmas bonus to get the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. All, all of that, I got all that. Confess your sins. Ah, but here's the problem. The writer of numbers keeps writing. I wish I could tell some of these writers, that's enough for now, but they don't do it. They must make full restitution for the wrong they have done. In other words, they need to invite community into the problem. Ugh. And add a fifth of the value and give it all to the person they have wronged, even when that person didn't know they were wrong. You don't just keep it between you and God. I don't just keep it between me and Jesus and go, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to feel guilty and I'm going to go to God. I'm going to say, God, I'm never going to do that again. I super duper, ooper, ooper promise. And then I do it again. Now, again, if you're not stuck in any area of your life and you're doing great and this system is working for you, great. But the problem that we have at least that I have, is I'm more afraid of confessing than I am of concealment. I'm more afraid of getting it out in the light than I am of uh, ho holding it and just waiting. Maybe I won't be found out. Here's a problem. You will be found out. Because you found you, yourself out, and you know. Now, our culture tries to do a bunch of different things to get around this, and I don't blame them. I would too. Uh, one is we just say, hey, if you haven't really hurt anybody, and, and it's, it's called sin, but, but it's just between you and God, it hasn't hurt anybody, that's between you and God. Your sin's never between you and God, because your sin changes who you are. It changes you. And so every relationship you have gets changed because you're not the same person that you could be. You're not this holy vessel that God wants you to be. And so he says, give it to the person you have wronged. You say, but John, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, right? I mean, isn't that really what I want is forgiveness? I don't know. I don't know if what we want is forgiveness, I'll ask a question a little later to go through that. Here's the verse that you're thinking of that I was thinking of. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, uh, or faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, if, if I didn't do this on purpose to trap you or anything, but if you've memorized this verse, I don't know why it is, but a majority of people, when they if I said, hey, do you know uh, 1 John 1, 9? And you, they'd say, yeah, if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful. And oh, wait, wait, hold on. I'm sorry, did you say, did you confess your sins to God? If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and righteous. 
It doesn't say to God. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And so you say, well, it's to God is implied. Go back two verses prior to this. It's all about righteousness in community. It's all about if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with him, and we will have fellowship with one another. See, I believe confessing your sins to God is very important. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying it's not that effective for life change. Or let me rephrase. Oftentimes, I've seen in my own life an area of struggle that did not get healed until I invited people into the process. And if you think it's hard to invite people into your sin, now get ordained <laughs> and, and talk about your sin. Then it's like eyebrow, like what in the world? You're a pastor. Yes, that's true. I am a pastor, but I'm also a human. And my job as a pastor is to try this stuff out <laughs> so that I can say it really works. And when you invite people into your sin, it is the most uncomfortable, horrible thing you can do. It's, you're so exposed. You're so vulnerable. But it absolutely works. All that pain and uncomfortableness the next time you're confronted with that sin, you're like, I do not want to have to tell somebody about that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he is. And if you leave this and you leave and you get in your car and you're like, John said that I shouldn't confess my sins to Jesus, you've misheard me. Definitely do that. And if it doesn't change your life, if it doesn't change your patterns, if it doesn't change your triggers, you got to do something else. You know who gets this really well? Anybody, anybody who's been through recovery, I don't care what recovery it is, N-A-S-A, -A, whatever it is, A-A, celebrate recovery or whatever, you know the freedom of saying, my name is John and I'm an alcoholic and here was my week this week. My name is John, and I struggle in this area. For some reason, people who've been through recovery are the most comfortable because they know that the pain of confession leads to the joy of freedom. Here's what James says. This is kind of the big verse where we get this from. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other. This is part of the community. Confess your sins to each other. Now sometimes what ends up happening is people get really comfortable confessing their sins. And they get really, you know, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? I, this is just who I am, blah, blah, blah. You know, I know I struggle with this. I know I have an anger problem. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about life change. He ends this verse with this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that Jesus will shine upon you. Now, he already does. Um, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other 
uh, because um, uh, if it f- you deserve to feel bad about it. It's not what he says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's the point. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't merely sign up for the gym. Go. You're like, oh man, but it's so hard at the gym. Yeah, it is. Everything in your life that's important. Every single thing you have in your whole life is hard. We have musicians up here, and you're like, oh, I wish I could play the drums. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to learn all that stuff. Anything you value is hard. You love your kids. Raising kids, spoiler alert, is hard. Okay? They don't do what you want them to do. Unless you're like, Lisa and I raised three perfect children. (laughs) We're amazing. So, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. A pr- the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. <laughs> You're like, oh, because we, again, we tend to just pull things out of Scripture. This is all tied together. So you mean to tell me that if I can get through my sin, if I can confess it, and I can work through it, and I can be healed, I become more effective For others, yep, that's what James is trying to say. James, the half-brother of Jesus. There's a a famous story. If you've been a Christian for a a long time, like a little kid, I could start saying, Zacchaeus was a, right? And you'd go, wee little man, right? Okay, so I don't. I don't know why we shame Zacchaeus that way, but we do. We say Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And at that particular time, being a tax collector was worse than the IRS. Because basically, the tax collector would decide for each individual person what they'd get. And then they'd take a little bit more, and they got to keep that. So Rome said, for every person, you need to collect $10 or whatever. And they'd collect 12, and they'd keep the two. And as long as Rome got their 10, they didn't really care. And Zacchaeus was basically stealing from his own people. And he would, you know, these tax collectors, they'd also do like you and I would do. It's like, you know, my buddy, I'll just do the 10 bucks from him. But that, that girl that rejected me in high school, $14, okay? Like, all of a sudden, it becomes this personal thing. And then... With people in power, what would happen? People would kiss up to them and go, hey, you know, oh, man, that's a nice suit or whatever. We're going $11, right? Not, not 14 Like, yeah, cool. And so you'd begin to be this powerful person. So Zacchaeus, he was shorter, okay? So he climbs up this tree to see Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, oh, sweet, it's Zacchaeus. Hey, I'm coming to your house. Which, again, people freak out and go, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he separate himself from sinners and just kind of be holy by himself? Because holiness was never supposed to be by yourself. Just as you're not supposed to be walking in your sin by yourself. And so Zacchaeus does this thing, has him over, does all this stuff. And Zacchaeus knows this numbers, uh, that thing in numbers where you're supposed to make restitution. 
And so Zacchaeus says this to Jesus. Hey, uh, you, you know what? Okay, here's what's going to happen. I, I'm going to take all my wealth. I'm going to give it to the poor. I'm going to give it to the poor. And then anybody I've wronged, I'm just going to make it right. I'm going to make it all right. Now, under our modern Christianity, we would say, well, that's not really needed. All you have to do is just go to Jesus. All Zacchaeus had to do was go to Jesus at night, get down on his knees, and say, dear Jesus, I'm really sorry for stealing all that money from everybody. Would you forgive me? And Jesus would pat me on the head and pat him on the head and go, yeah, you're the cutest little thing. Go on, get out of here. All is forgiven. Well, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to make it right. To which Jesus should say, there's no need to do that. Here's what Jesus says. Thou has overreacteth. Thou only needs to confesseth thine sin to me. Don't go crazieth, right? And you know it's Jesus because it's like holy language with thous and these and ifs. You know what Jesus says to this dude? He, he spits theology at this guy. He brings it home for this guy. He doesn't correct him and go, no, nah, that's not needed. That's not needed. Here's what he says. Today, salvation has come to this house. That's what I'm looking for. To not only hear, but to do. What's Zacchaeus going to do next time he has to take, he's got to take his taxes? He's like, I ain't doing that again. I made it right. There's freedom in making it right. So here's my question. Would you rather be guilt-free? Think about this. Think about it. It's wonderful to be guilt-free. Trust me. I love confessing my sin to Jesus. I've, I feel like he does remove my guilt and shame. Or set free. If I find myself always going to Jesus for the same thing over and over and over again, then it's not working. And that isn't what a life with Christ was designed for. It wasn't a sin management program where I sin and hopefully I'll sin less today than I did yesterday. And, uh, you know, but if not, I'll confess to Jesus and it'll just be between me and my buddy Jesus. That's not biblical confession. Biblical confession has to do with repentance. You don't just confess, you repent, you turn, you do whatever you have to do to not do that again. You set up barriers, boundaries, relationships, accountability. That's what we're going to be talking about in two weeks. We're going to be talking about boundaries. It's my favorite sermon. I've preached it twice, two other times. Uh, last time was about eight years ago, nine years ago. I'm super excited about it. But the whole point isn't that we just get forgiven, and we move on. Life change, holiness, set-apartness is hard, and it happens in community. It was designed. Here, I put this down. You confess your sins to God, and you get forgiveness, and that's important. 
And if you've never prayed to Jesus before and said, God, I want to make you Lord of my life. I know I've sinned. I know I've had my past. He will forgive you with no question. But then if we just go back sinning again, Paul says it this way, shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? Like to just keep showing how great Jesus is? He says, may it never be. (laughs) Don't do that. That's dumb. Instead of forgiveness being your thing, how about freedom? Instead of forgiveness, freedom. So I'm not going to go back because I want to get to these John Wesley's lame questions. I called them that, by the way. Uh, They're not called that. But I don't like these questions. So here's what I here's what's happened in my own life. I've had different areas in my life that I've struggled with. Some before I was a pastor, some while I'm a pastor. I'm sure there'll be some after I'm a pastor. And maybe I'm just projecting my own inability to conquer certain areas of sin. But just like anybody else, there are certain things that I have a bent towards or I have um, issues with or whatever that I've noticed don't get changed. And every single time I've had victory in those areas, it involved another person. It involved confession. So I've, I've spoken this, about this story before. Um, so prior to being a pastor, I was probably in my late 20s, I would imagine. Yeah, probably late 20s. Married, uh, struggling with just any, just pick your issue. I was probably struggling with it. So uh, and I would do the thing, oh, Lord, forgive me, oh, I feel so terrible, render my garments, everything's horrible, horrible, oh, I feel the, the forgiveness, and that's great. But then, it, again, and again, and again. So I'm at this church, and the pastor's talking, it was a men's thing, so it was a room about this size, and he has all men in it and everything, and he's like, uh, uh, who? He's talking about accountability, he's talking about this particular thing. Confess your sins to one another. He says, who has an accountability, who doesn't have an accountability partner? And I'm telling you, almost everybody's hand goes up. Everybody, right? And then he says, "Um, okay, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. All right, find somebody with their hand up. And so I'm I'm like, uh, he's my friend now because he knows everything about me. Uh, uh, Rob was next to me and I said, uh, well, you, I, it was like I was asking a girl out on a date. I'm like, so you got an accountability partner? No, if you want to. Because I was just thinking, you know, I'm struggling with some stuff. And, right. Anyway, he turns out to, to, turns out to be uh, my accountability partner. And these are the questions we went over. And they come from John Wesley, uh, which is um, we're free Methodists here. And the Methodist movement came from the founder, John Wesley. We can go over that at another time. But here are John Wesley's lame questions. And these are the questions I would ask my buddy. I only have five up here. There's five more. I, we tweaked ours to make them oh, with the exact issues we were dealing with. Here we go. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? Oh, none. I confessed them all to Jesus. What sins? Since our last meeting. By the way, it really helps to meet frequently. (laughs) 
That way you don't pile them all up. You're like, well, do you have an hour and a half? Because I'm ready to go. And then it can be your turn. This is so healing. I'm telling you. You say, but man, afterwards, don't you kind of feel like, ugh? Yeah. Just like I do when I put money in my 401k or go to the gym or do whatever. It's hard. Yes. But at the end, I go, it's out there. It's in the light. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? And, and oh, and real quick, this isn't your pastor either. This is somebody else. Somebody else. A peer. An equal. Okay? So you're on equal footing. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? Then, this is stupid, what temptations have you met with? Well, wait a minute. I didn't even sin. So why do I need to tell you about what I was tempted by? Ooh, that's a great question. Do you want forgiveness? Then just tell me your sins. Do you want freedom? Tell me your temptations. Because then we'll get to the root of what's going on. The insecurities. The, the issues. So what temptations have you met with? Uh, okay. So then you get done with those two. And then a really practical question. How were you delivered from the temptations? Because, see, in community, if you know my sin and you know how I've overcome it, that helps you overcome yours. Because you're like, wow, I hadn't really thought about that. If you don't know my sin and you don't know what's, what I've overcome in my life, how are you, you going to know? For example, you see somebody and they've lost a bunch of weight. What's, what's the first thing you say? Hey, have you lost weight? You look good. Or I can tell. What's the first thing out of their mouth? Oh, yeah, I'm on the keto diet. I'm on this. I'm on that. Oh, yeah, I started working out. Oh, yeah, I did that. Like, I want to know that, right? The same is true with our sin. Although we don't think of it that way because we think of sin as just confessing to God. But our job, the effective prayer of a righteous man, accomplishes a lot. Our job is to live our life in such a way that we become a light to others. So, how were you delivered? Um, ooh, this one's hard. What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it's sin or not? So I want to know your sin. I want to know what tempts you. And I want to know what you're on the fence on so that you're not going to fall off of one side or the other. Like, like what, what, what do you think? Well, you know, I was on social media and uh, I follow this one person and I didn't know if I should click on their, their thing or not. And so I did. I don't think it was sin or whatever. Even as you're saying it out loud, it's like, uh, <laughs> you can't hide. You can't hide. What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it's sin or not? Watch this. This one's this is the money maker right here on number five. Have you nothing you desire to keep secret? Do you have anything you want to keep between just you and God? In other words, the secret isn't just secret. It's like, is there anything you don't want anyone to find out about? That, Christian, is confession. That is repentance, and it's biblical, 
and it doesn't let us off the hook. And this is why when we baptize people, we say, you have died with Christ. Well, we don't hold them under that long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we're serious. You died with Christ. No, we don't, we don't do that. Okay. We died with Christ and you're raised to walk in newness of life. To walk in newness of life. Confessing our sins to one another so that we may be healed, restored, living our life the way God had intended to. Now, our culture might say, the only reason you feel bad is because we've said that you feel bad, so we're not going to tell you you feel bad anymore, and that'll solve it. Come on. Everybody knows that doesn't work, right? It's like, uh, I don't, it'll get that. I'll get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work in any area to just pretend it's working when it's not. Okay, that's enough there. As the worship band comes back up. Oh, and by the way, as we talk about confession and everything, I know it's the first Sunday of the month, and I know, know we normally do a communion this, this morning, but we're doing it next week, so uh, just be prepared for that. But as the worship band comes up, this is the verse I was talking about in Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning and just let God, Jesus on the cross, just keep forgiving us over and over and over again? By no means. We are those who've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized to his death and therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you're, if you're a Christian and you find yourself over and over and over in the same sin, you have to change your system to a more biblical system of confession. The Catholics are closer than we are. At least there's another human that knows your sin. At least there's somebody who knows. You say, well, John, I'm not Catholic. Then find your person. Figure out the area of life and find your per person. I have got four accountability partners because for my pastoral issues, the other three don't know what I'm talking about. They can't relate. So I get someone who can relate and will call me to the carpet. For another issue, the other three can't relate. I just go to the person that can relate. You say, John, doesn't that take a lot of time? Well, no, because I'm being healed. <laughs> It doesn't take a lot of time to confess sins you don't, that you're actually getting victorious in. But you only become victorious when you pull someone alongside of you and you say, this is who I am. And if you're a Christian and you can't sit with another Christian and listen to them tell you their sin without judging them, you need another accountability partner. One to hold you accountable for your judgmental spirit. 
We should be able to hear each other. We should be able to confess to one another. It's a sign of maturity. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you died for us. We're thankful that in you we do have forgiveness. We're thankful that by confessing my sin and by engaging with you and entering into this relationship with you, I get to spend eternity with you in heaven. In the meantime, in the meantime, Lord, I want to live. I want to live. Would you give us the courage to pick up the phone? Give us the courage to access this cheat code of confession that hardly anyone uses because it's really hard, but it works. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're not standing, we'll stand for the blessing. A couple, couple things real quick. Um, if you do find this accountability partner, make sure you find one that can... The Lord is speaking. Make sure you find one that can keep a secret. The idea isn't that everybody knows, you know. Yeah, I guess you could post on social media if you want. But that somebody knows. Uh, that's, that's number one. And then number two, don't get freaked out when someone tells you their sin and it shocks you. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. You gotta confess. And so this person in front of you is sharing the deepest thing in their life. So go to the Lord and say, Lord, give me strength and give me wisdom on how to deal with this. And that, if you come up with issues, you can call your pastor on, okay? Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his wisdom, in his boldness, in his strength, and in his freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.